parable of the mustard seed. But I think I may have been having one of them days where you feel a little bit like a moth because I was inexplicably attracted to a lamp on a stand. I think maybe it's the humble yet intriguing title of this parable about a lamp. That's not to say that imagery of lamps and lights aren't used throughout the Bible. It's often there representing hope, guidance, and other themes similar to these. They're often attributed to God specifically, God the Father being the lamp unto our feet and our guiding light, or Jesus declaring that he is the light of the world. However, I believe that this parable is Jesus affirming our call to be a lamp for others. In the first century, uh, a lamp was probably a very typical piece of household furniture coming with a very specific purpose. And like the majority of lamps that I've come across in my time, that purpose was to illuminate. And so, like in a lot of these parables that Jesus tells us, he uses some pretty extreme examples to illustrate this point to his crowd. A bowl or a similar bowl-shaped object would be used to put out a lamp in the evening, starving it of the essential oxygen it needs. Alternatively, placing it under a bed would not only hide it, but probably more importantly, pose a slight fire safety risk, and it wouldn't, wouldn't be a smart idea. And if, if you're confused about that, these weren't, these weren't your typical electric lamps, probably, probably oil, I would assume. They were very, obviously, counterintuitive ways of using a lamp, something that the crowds would have understood easily. Uh, if you need a little modern-day example, perhaps you could think of your phone. Do we switch them off, leave them under our bed or in our drawer at the beginning of each day? Or perhaps do we, do we turn them on and bring them to work, but just decide, actually, I'm just not going to answer any calls or re- return any texts or anything? Um, and if you're like me, then you probably have friends where that seems like the case. But uh, for, for most of us, the, the normal thing to do with a phone is to use it to communicate to people over long distances. Similarly, you put a lamp on a stand so you can see. The lamp has a purpose to give light, so why would you present it from, prevent it from glowing? Consequently, I think we can, get, we can start to get a grasp of what Jesus might have been pointing to when he tells this parable. Did God send his only son, the Messiah, our Redeemer and Saviour, so that we can hide the light of his good news under a bowl, or perhaps just slide it under our beds? I don't think it's a coincidence that Mark included this parable in amongst the parable of a sower and the parables, at the king, uh, parables about the kingdom of God that we'll hear about from Esther in a little bit. As I believed, it's very closely linked with these and the role that we play as disciples of Jesus in his kingdom, but with an emphasis on our role as a lamp for those around us. But what does it, call, what does it look like for us to take on this calling to be on a lamp on a stand? Me and my supervisor this year, Emily, have been, uh, we have about an hour a week of Bible study a week, and so far we've been going through Thessalonians, one of Paul's letters to the persecuted early church of Thessalonica. And so I thought of this passage when I was preparing this, and I think it gives us an understanding of what it means to be that lamp. So I'll just read that now. So it's Thessalonica 5, verse 4. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surely surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like the others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, 
but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. I think what I saw most in this passage was the distinction of being a child of darkness and a child of light. And how being a child of light uh, to those around us isn't a God-given right that we receive once we decide to follow Jesus, but actually it's a conscious decision that we make in, in our lifestyle and the, way we see, and the way we play out our lives. And that difference is uh, what people see in us and in, in the way that we live. And so I just wanted to share a story about a, an adventure with Fresher Jack where I, I actually failed rather miserably about doing this, and hopefully you can, can learn what, what it might look like. And it starts with coming to uni and uh, struggling quite hard with my insecurities as quite an uh, introvert, introverted person in general. Being able to meet new people and be myself, I found really difficult for whatever reason. However, I found that one way of coping this when I was meeting a new group before a night out was drinking until I didn't really care as much. And so usually this was just a little bit until I was tipsy, but this one night it ended up being perhaps uh, worse than usual. Sparing you the details, I end up in an embarrassing state, to say the least. At the time, I didn't really think about this much. I just told myself, you know, it happens to the best of us uh, now and then. But until it, this was okay until a couple of months later, while I was at my uh, Hall's Christianity group, and we were partaking in the classic text to toasty, where people from your Hall's text in questions about Christianity, and you go and deliver a toasty to them and also answer their question. And so we got this one text in, and it had a, had a question saying something along the lines of, I've not been to church for a long time. Would I still be accepted if I came back now? So me and my friend, we went up to this person's room and knocked on the door. And when they opened it, I realized that it was a girl that I, was in, that I met on this group uh, a couple months ago on this night out. And uh, the, I have this vivid memory of the, uh, the look of pure shock as she realized who I was uh, uh, when, we answered the door, when she answered the door. Uh, probably thinking something along the lines of, uh, oh gosh, not this guy again. How on earth is he part of the Christian Union? It gave me uh, this strong feeling of guilt all over after we had finished. A, a potentially very fruitful and important conversation was, her ex uh, was stained by her explaining to my friend uh, from the Christian Union that she essentially had to babysit me for an entire night. You see, I had this lamp that Jesus had ignited in me, but I was choosing to put a bowl over it and tuck it under the bed every time I went out with all my friends, all because of this fear of being awkward around new people. There was this girl who was in the dark trying to find her way back to Jesus from a place that needed guidance and hope. But where was the lamp on the stand to guide her towards that place? So my question to you is, what is the bowl or bed that we're hiding our lamp under? Are we always being obedient to Jesus' call in verse 25? Let all who have ears hear. However, I believe that it's not always that we're hiding our lamp, but that maybe that we're, not, we're just not using it for the right purpose. Maybe we just want our lamp to shine bright because we like the way it looks and we want to show it off because we're proud of it. Or maybe it's because it keeps our parents happy. These are just a few questions that you might be asking yourselves as Gareth now leads us in a time of confession. <laughs>